Welcome to From Ashes to Beauty with John Ortberg. Each day, Monday through Friday, you'll find 10 minutes of relevant spiritual guidance on the kind of people we are becoming. Follow us on YouTube at becomenew.me or receive daily text alerts when a new episode is published by texting the word BECOME to the number 56525. Invite a friend to listen along by sharing this podcast or sharing the link becomenew.me. We're glad you're here. And now, here's John. Well, we're on this journey from ashes to beauty, and there's no way to start today without beginning by acknowledging the sorrow and horror in our country as we are reading from uh, another mass shooting, this one in Colorado, and asking God for uh, grace and comfort and hope for the families, for people who are suffering unbelievable grief and uh, incorporating this into our prayers and our journey together. And I, I wanted to spend a little time uh, talking about this personally today as we think about our own relationships and how do we repair them. And I want to talk to my friend Rick Blackman about that. Uh, often when something this horrible will happen, it's easy for me to think, for us to think, well, uh, those are the bad people, somebody that would do something that evil, and I would never do that, and therefore I'm one of the good people. And there can actually be kind of a spiritual uh, uh, illusion in this. Gary Haugen, who is a very committed follower of Jesus, is the head of the International Justice Mission. He got started when he was in Rwanda and had to deal with genocide and would look at uh, people who uh, formerly thought of themselves as ordinary people and then ended up being complicit in killing. And Gary said one of the most disturbing findings is that that capacity to kill is in most ordinary people. And when uh, legal and social restraints are taken away and the peer pressure goes the other direction, uh, that's in a lot of folks who don't think it is. And that's actually precisely what Jesus said. He says uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, you know, you've heard that it was said, you shall not kill. And a lot of you think that if you've just avoided killing somebody, you're doing okay. But actually the dynamics around that are to nurture anger and contempt towards another person. And then that destructive force can actually be at work in me. So as we think about this step that we're on right now, make a list of the people that I have harmed, that I have hurt, and uh, become willing to make amends and then go to them to set it right. I wanted to spend some time today talking with a person who is an expert at what anger can do and relational rupture and relational repair. So I'm um, talking to my friend, really our friend now, Rick Blackman. And Rick, thanks for being with us on this one. Thank you, John. I've been convicted this week. I've still got rolling around in my mind that two-list idea. Am I keeping the list of the people that have hurt me or the people that I've wounded? And that seems so apropos to the words that you just mentioned and to, again, the words of Jesus. So this is great. Thank well, you. Well, and it is, it is very striking for people that do end up killing uh, maybe the single most prominent characteristic is them is in their minds they have rehearsed and rehearsed and nursed and nursed that sense of I am a victim, I have been wronged, and therefore anything I do to strike back in retaliation is justified. And uh, again, for reasons that may have mostly to do with social and cultural and legal restraints, I'm not in that category. I don't know what I would be if I was in the conditions of a Rwanda. But I sure recognize what it's like to keep that list. Uh, 
And so we want to get better. We're on this journey to God, and I can't make myself the right person, but God can help me. And I want to learn now, how do I recognize when I've harmed another person or done damage to relationship? Because I think I, lots of us tend to be blind around that. So as you're working with folks, Rick, give us some wisdom on this. How do we um, get better at recognizing rupture in our relationships? Disruption, uh, we could call it conflict. I might start with the idea that you were just talking about is the presence of anger. You know, one of the things that, that as a counselor, I think about anger, it's a perfectly acceptable emotion. It's, I would say, the least bonding emotion of all the different ways that we can feel. If you're mad at me in my head, I can say that's fine for John to be mad at me. People get mad, but it's going to be hard for us to have a conflict in a, in a healthy way while you're still mad. Um, and that alerts me, though. Um, one author calls anger the pain of the psyche. And, you know, pain tells you there's a problem. And so that kind of disruption, um, hurt feelings, angry feelings especially, would be one of my sort of buttons on the dashboard, if you will, that tell me there's a rift, there's a disruption in a relationship. I'd probably look for things too, like just changes in the atmosphere of somebody that I'm in relationship with, if they're, they're extra quiet or they're shut down. You know, the, the, the general thinking is that in anger, people reflexively um, uh, fight, flee, or freeze. So that's the other thing I'd be looking for is, is there an extra fight in the person that I'm in relationship with? Is there more of a flea, which is, again, that, that, is that that Swedish thing you keep talking about, John, that shutdown reaction? It is, Rick. Thank you for reminding us all of that. <laughs> well, you told me you have the spiritual gift of pouting one time, so. <laughs> bring that up to you. I might start pouting right now. <laughs> that's right. And, and freeze it. Too. Uh, I was at a seminar once of a bunch of therapists, and the guy asked, what's your favorite, you know, fight, freeze, or flee? And most of the therapists in the room raised their hands with freeze. So that's just another, you know, sort of that deer in the headlights uh, feeling. But those would just be buttons that would tell me that there's a problem. And, of course, it can go both ways, that they hurt me or did I hurt them. Yeah. But I was thinking of that, that verse in Romans 12, I think, as much as is possible, be at peace with all uh, people. So, so talk a little bit about that. Uh, um, if we're going to make a list of people that we've harmed and then try to make amends, how do we make amends? How, how do we think wisely about uh, making repair? How... How do we proportion that to the level of hurt that we've caused in the relationship? Um, and again, I, I always think, even if it doesn't feel fair, that the way of following Jesus, the Jesus way, is to be the initiator, to be the one to, to unthaw the ice, so to speak, to make the move forward and be the peacemaker. Um, you know, I have this little thing, John, that I've used over the years. I call it CRAFT, C-R-A-F-T, just very briefly. It steps towards repair, and the C stands for get conversational. And what I mean by that is if you're upset, if the other person is upset, it, we call it in the, in the counseling world flooding. If you're flooded, you're regular brain activity, your thinking, your reasoning, your listening faculties are all compromised. 
So one of the cardinal ideas in repair is to first unflood. And after you've unflooded, then the rest of the steps that I'm going to mention will make sense. But if you're still steamed or the person that you've wounded is still steamed, it's not likely that you're going to have a good conversation. You'll probably just go right back into the conflict. So I can't emphasize that one enough, that if you haven't been practicing, sometimes it's in the counseling world called self-soothing or connecting with God and remembering things like blessed are the peacemakers and as Paul's words about being um, the one to initiate peacemaking with people around you. So getting conversational is a C. R is recalling. And this is sort of an interesting little twist, very much similar to what you've been sharing the last couple of days. Recall my contribution to the conflict. Rather than sitting there and nursing... So don't recall your contribution to the conflict. Yes, not the person that I'm in conflict with. That's too easy, and that's generally going to just re-spark the tension or the conflict. But again, I can't do this if I'm still um, agitated, but then, uh, then I can you know, really take a look at my contribution. Um, you know, that James passage about being quick to hear slow to speak, slow to anger. And I can do that after I've unflooded. So recalling the C-R-A-F-T. So R is for recalling my contribution. A is to apologize, to really genuinely, I've always thought there's two kinds of apology. There's the, the, the very genuine, I really messed up. John, I really you know, blew it when I spoke to you in that way or I hurt you in that way. And of course that, Sometimes I call that the sackcloth and ashes apology. That's the best kind. And frankly, I think your series here in Lent has been opening a lot of our eyes to how deeply our own flaws really are and how we can cause harm, even if we didn't intend to. The second kind of apology is what I call an apology for impact, when it wasn't our intention to hurt. And that's maybe not quite as powerful, John, but it still counts for something. You know, if I hurt you and that matters to me and I know in my heart I did not mean to hurt you, I still want to be the kind of person who is willing to apologize and make it important to me, make it matter to me that what I did to you wounded you, that what I did to my wife or my friend or my colleague wounded or injured or hurt them. The fourth, the F is forgive to be able to forgive. Um, when we went to graduate school together, we were students of Lou Smeads and Arch Hart, some of the, I think, seminal thinkers. And one of the definitions they used to use about forgiveness is that when someone's wounded you, your natural instinct is to get even. And forgiving, either asking for them to forgive you or forgiving them, is surrendering, uh, I remember Lou used to put it this way, sur surrendering your felt right to get even when someone, like you were saying earlier, um, and you know, depending on the, the grievousness of the injury, that can be more challenging with grievous injuries than slight ones or small ones. But that Jesus way, and I can't tell you how many times that's, when I look back, been the single most significant thing in a counseling case, when someone's carried around injuries and wounds and decided in generally following Jesus and taking that pattern uh, that, that he taught uh, to forgive, to surrender their 
sort of instinctive, reflexive right uh, to get even. Um, and then the T means to talk about it so we can learn and grow. So try something different. So in the relationship where there's been disruption, where there's amend making need, um, to try to talk together about different ways that you could approach either loaded topics or loaded issues um, and do things differently. Maybe you get some counseling together. Maybe you read something together. Um, you pray together. Um, like, for example, one of the things that will often come up in, in a contentious relationship is if you're going to talk about something difficult, a soft startup, they call it, is there, there's kind of a rule of thumb that conflicts tend to end on the same note that they begin. So if you start softly, if I've got an issue with you, John, which I have here and there over the years, um, if I start softly, the chance that it will end well and even end softly is dramatically better than if I just say, John, I gotta talk to you and I can't believe you said this to me or that you did this to me in that social setting. Um, which again, I might be right as rain with that, but the likeliness that you'll get defensive and, and bristle with that, what, that kind of hard startup. But that would be the sort of thing that I mean by trying to learn from. You know, just, just to say it, John, I've been a counselor for several decades now, and I've never figured out personally how to either personally or help others never have conflict. So the second best idea then, since I don't know how to eliminate conflict in my marriage, in my friendships, with my children, with my colleagues, with my clients, the next best alternative is to think about what we're talking about today, repair and recovery. And that is something clearly, when I think of what you've been teaching us lately, and making amends and walking through these various steps that you're having us go through, that this is a, a way to sort of operationalize that. You know, what, what are my repair skills? When there's a rift, a disruption, when I've wounded somebody, when I've been wounded and injured, am I developing into the kind of person who pursues repair, re pursues recovery, and understand some of the mechanisms that we've just been talking about. Well, Rick, thank you very much. Uh, this framework craft will be a huge gift. And for everybody watching, there will be people on the list that I have harmed, that you have harmed. And to walk through uh, each of these stages and thinking about how to approach them as God leads you, how to make amends with wisdom, that will be a wonderful gift in this Lenten season. It will change you and change them. So I want to release everybody now. However, I have a bonus question to ask Rick. This has taken us into overtime. So this is extra credit work. You can all leave. This is a tricky, naughty question. That's why I'm saving it to the end. Rick, there'll be some folks that are listening right now, and there's a burden on them. They have messed up in a relationship. And they're not sure, would it be wise for me to tell this other person? Maybe this other person is a really abusive character. Maybe it's a case of unfaithfulness in a marriage. And the question is, will I be putting a burden on my spouse that I shouldn't? Uh, maybe it's a situation where they did something wrong financially at work or in a transaction where if they were to disclose it, it might uh, hinder their ability to actually be able to make money and pay back what they owe or so. Can you give folks wisdom on how do they know when it's right to go to the other person and seek to make amends or 
when might it be a situation where maybe the person's moved away, maybe they're dead now, or maybe there's some reason why they should not uh, make amends, but they could still be willing to? Oh boy, that's a hard question. And, and the answer is going to have a little bit of a nuance to it, John, uh, at least in my mind. I, I think the all-important question in trying to be wise and discerning about that is, why am I going to the other person? And am I doing that to be a peacemaker and to promote recovery and reconciliation, or am I doing that for myself? Um, and if I'm doing it for myself, like to me, it would go without saying that you would confess that kind of sin, at least to that other person that you've been sort of helping us understand that we need to have in our life. And that may not always be a spouse. It may not always be the actual person that we've sinned against. So that would be a start. And frankly, I would probably say you should be asking that person or very wise people for help on figuring out the answer to that question. Sometimes to go to the person with a financial or a sexual indiscretion, if I think back to cases in my life, if it's been a, if it's been a one-time thing and you look in your heart and you're not deluding yourself about that, it really was just a one-time thing, it actually may cause much more of a burden to the other person. And so you might have to suffer with your own guilt and, and, and confessor. You know, you should be confessing that to somebody, but it might not be the healthiest thing. Again, that's a kind of case by case. But if it's anything more than that, John, if it's, a, you know, kind of, again, a sexual impropriety or financial impropriety that has um, more pop to it, it's gone on for a bit, in all honesty, I don't think you get a pass from going and sharing that. You, you might need someone to go with you. You might need some help. You might need a counselor. You might need a pastor for that. But it would be wiser um, and more godly, without question in my mind, to go confess that even if you don't know if the person maybe is going to be able to forgive you. You can ask what, them, to, ask forgive them to forgive you. What if the other person is an abusive person? They have been emotionally, verbally, physically abusive. And there are things that I have done uh, to them that are wrong, but uh, I don't trust that they will not be more abusive or damaging in the future. Well, that's a very important caveat. That's what I meant a bit by nuance. So I wouldn't say you can't take that into account. You have to take that into account and probably get some counsel from people around you about, you, you know, what I worry about when you bring that up is that I would take too quick a refuge into that. Well, they're going to have an abusive reaction. Um, so I get a pass from going there. But if that's truly the case, that might be Gary um, Thomas, who you know and have talked about. He wrote an interesting book just recently called When to Walk Away which is sort of about toxic people and about when some of the instructions by Jesus may not apply because of the toxicity, the abusiveness. That's a very good resource, by the way, when to walk away, that is a fuller treatise on this question. So there certainly are cases when it wouldn't be the smartest thing, um, even when you've sinned against somebody uh, to go, you may set, be setting yourself up um, for more abuse and, and boy, I would not want to be, you know, sort of responsible with people for 
that sort of thing. You did ask me. You didn't. You didn't prep me for this that well. For that's a very tough question. Uh, it is. Thanks for having that conversation and for everybody listening to us. Um, uh, I will be praying for me, but also for you in this season for great wisdom, because uh, I know that God is a God who loves repair, and that's the message of the cross. And I pray that He will be with you and with me as we try to be agents of reconciliation. And I'll see you tomorrow.